This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. I was recently down in Catford at a training day uh, with Greg Surratt, Jeff Surratt and Sherry Surratt and they were talking about multi-site church and what they had to say was really helpful for what we're doing up in Manchester but I think a lot of the principles that I learned were actually really useful for anybody involved in church planting whether that's multi-site or not. And rather than share everything that I learned on that day with you, I wanted to, in this episode of the podcast, uh, just hone in on four of the key one-liners that were mentioned on that day, because I think these one-liners have the potential to change everything. So the first of the one-liners that I want to share with you is this. Not everything that you label as bad really is. Not everything that you label as bad really is. So the guys who were leading uh, the day, uh, they talked about a time that they bought uh, a new plot of land for for millions of dollars that they wanted to build uh, a massive new building on for their church. They'd outgrown the facility that they were meeting in, they'd kind of maxed out how many meetings they could have there and so they bought this new plot of land. But just after uh, the purchase had gone through, uh, the local authorities actually changed the the zoning regulations on that land so they weren't able to use it and they weren't able to build the facility that they wanted there. So when this happens, uh, it's easy to look on this and say, this is really bad. We've just spent this money, but now we can't do what we intended to do. Our plans have been stopped. But actually what happened um, is it caused them to start looking at some other options and to uh, see what some of the churches in similar situations had been doing. And it led them to start uh, pioneering, planting new sites and new congregations throughout their area. And it's important to remember that actually we are not God. So when we look at something like the, the change in regulations, meaning um, that they couldn't build on the land, we can look and say, that's, that's bad. But we can't see it always from God's perspective. And we don't realise what God is going to do through it. God is sovereign. God is omniscient. God is working out his purposes. And the things that seem to us like difficulties and roadblocks can actually be part of what God is doing and part of the process that he is taking us on. And one of the things um, that was shared on the day was this little quote. God was at work on a solution before we even knew that it was a problem. And hearing this quote, not everything that you label bad really is, reminded me of something that Andy McCulloch was sharing on a broadcast hangout recently. He was um, sharing an ancient Chinese story, and um, it was about a farmer whose horse ran away and all the neighbours came and, and commiserated him and said, this is really bad, this is so sad, um, your horse has run away. And uh, the guy said, why do you call it bad? None of us know what is going to happen. And um, the next day, actually, the horse returned, but it brought a wild horse with it. And so now the guy has two horses and all his neighbours gather round and they start to celebrate with him and say, hey, this is brilliant. This is really good. Um, you now have 
two horses. And he said, why do you call this good? None of us knows what's going to happen. And so the next day, the guy's son is out riding on this wild horse and um, it throws him off and he breaks his leg. And so all the neighbours gather around and like, this is bad. This is um, so sad. Um, your, your son's got a broken leg. Um, and the guy says, why do you call this bad? None of us knows what's going to happen. And, and it goes on uh, and on. And the point being, when we just see uh, a certain thing without the big picture uh, of what fed into it and what comes out of it, we can't say what is good and what is bad. We just don't know. And church planting is a very uh, intense thing. And actually, um, we find that when you're planting a church, it's easy for the emotions to swing wildly from one week to the next. So a new family show up one week and you're you're on a massive high and then um, there's a week you might lose your venue or a few key people are away. You could be really down in the dumps and the short term ups and downs can weigh very heavily. And often what we can miss uh, when we're in the thick of it is that church planting is a long game and it's actually a faith game because we're doing it because God has spoken because God has called us into this work and faith is so important. So actually when we have a few weeks in a row where it feels like we're stagnated, where no new people have come along and uh, where it just feels like uh, it's hard work grinding it out, being able to, to look back and say actually I know that God is doing something here that's hugely important and actually then the setbacks that we face the difficulties along the way if we've got the faith that God is in it and God is working out his purposes even in ways that we can't see that will fuel us to keep going to keep our eyes on what he is leading us into and it will be a massively helpful thing for us so not everything that you label as bad really is so the second one liner I want to share with you is this. You are capable of more than you think. You are capable of more than you think. You see, often church leaders will be held back by what they think they lack. So, for example, people will say, we, we can't plant a new site. We can't plant a new church. We can't start a new initiative because where would we get the leaders from? Where would we find the musicians? Where would we find the kids workers and actually uh, what they shared on the day with us was um, that everything that you need God has already planted either in the church or in the harvest so everything you need all the leaders all the musicians all the kids workers they're there either currently in your church or in the harvest uh, as you move forward you'll find that these people are uncovered that's a very sound theological proposition God has given the gifts needed to the body but what it does mean to see this happening is that we need to start looking at people differently we can't just see people um, as they are we need to see what people can become I remember when somebody uh, started to look at me differently um, at the time uh, I hadn't been uh, a Christian very long I was part of a church I was kind of turning up helping out with a youth group a little bit but the guy who led that group he looked at me differently and he started to see things in me and he talked to me about like leading 
churches and he started to share some vision for what I could become. He didn't just see me as I was at that moment. He saw the God-given potential in me. And this is what Jesus did with people as well. He took someone like Simon and he said, from now on, you will be called Peter. You'll be the rock on which I build my church. With those disciples, Jesus didn't settle for who they were at that moment, but he saw who they could become. We need to start seeing people in such a way as well. Um, the way it was phrased on, on this multi-site training day was don't look at people, but look through them. To what they can be in the future. And at Christchurch Manchester, one of the things that we like to talk about is having a have a go culture. Uh, and so this is how we do it. We'll invest massively in people. We will let people have a go. So we recently uh, ran a preaching course and we trained uh, about 25 people how to preach. Now each Sunday we have five people uh, preaching um, across the city um, and we want to see more and more opportunities opening up. But to make that work we need to get loads of people having a go and actually see people who now are not preachers who can become preachers in the future. A year ago we trained another 30 so that's over 50 people trained up in two years. We trained uh, 25 people how to run a Sunday meeting uh, last year. Our worship bands, our worship leaders are constantly being replenished by new people coming through, getting involved. Now, what that does mean is that we're not always putting in people who are experienced, who have been through it lots of times before we're willing to blood new talent. And actually, a leading site. So at the moment, we've got uh, a meeting in the city centre of Manchester that's been led by um, a couple of students. Um, but they're, they're at this young age and they're learning how to do it. And as it grows, uh, they may continue to do that. They may uh, go off and do other things and other people might take it on. But by being in this learning environment, by being in this have-a-go culture and um, they're able to step up and actually people who have come through some of them have ended up at leading sites here in Manchester others are leading congregations uh, around the world there are people who we've raised up here who are leading congregations in London who are leading congregations in Japan but this environment of having a go and this idea of you're capable of more than you think and actually looking at people differently and trusting them to have a go at things is very important and often when we talk about this we talk about the ideas of having a very low bar and a very high bar so the very low bar is actually uh, the idea there are lots more people out there who can have a go than you think and uh, we, we make the barriers to entry very low but the high bar then uh, because we're investing heavily in those people we're training them we're discipling them we're, we're leading them uh, to bring the very best out of them not just kind of having like a, a barrier to entry and then kind of a, a stagnation once you're there but take people from an early stage give them an opportunity but then invest in them and bring them through to get the best out of them so you are capable of more than you think so the third idea that I wanted to share with you um, was actually about the approach that they take to their financial commitments uh, and it's this high impact low regret high impact low 
regret. So uh, they will be looking for um, opportunities uh, that can make a big difference if it works, high impact. But actually, um, they're not throwing loads of resources into it, low regret. If this doesn't work, the cost isn't too high. And this was about their financial decisions, but I think actually uh, it's a principle that can be applied into lots of different areas of church life. And as we're thinking about church planting, uh, here in Manchester, I think about all the different church plants that we've gone after. We've gone after Salford, we've gone after Alderley Edge, we've gone after Levensum. These are different uh, parts of our region. Uh, but as we went after these places, actually the way we did it was this kind of high impact, low regret uh, approach. We were kind of dipping our toe in the water. We were exploring whether these things could work. We were trying to gather uh, a little crowd there, but we never bet the farm on any of them. And those ones that I've just listed, those ones didn't actually come off for us. Now, we're still uh, hoping the future, maybe we can get something going in those places. Um, but they never really uh, happened so far. And when when we'd had a go and it didn't quite come off, actually we'd done it in a low regret way. It wasn't um, causing harm to people. It wasn't making a huge uh, dent in our budget. Um, and actually it wasn't um, dampening the faith for church planting in our people. Um, and yet at the same time, we've gone after a few other things. We've gone after a new congregation in Fallowfield and one in Withington and one in Didsbury Burnage. We're currently going after the city centre of Manchester and these ones have come off. And because uh, these have worked, actually they're able to have quite an impact on the area they're in. So the ones that didn't work actually, uh, low regret, low uh, cost to those. And the ones that have worked have had a big impact. You see, this is the idea, high impact, low regret. And so weighing up the difference uh, that something can make if it comes off versus the cost that it doesn't is at the heart of this principle. And if you can find opportunities and find ways of going at them that would make the regrets low and the impact high, then those things are probably worth taking a shot at. High impact, low regret. So the final lesson uh, that I'd like to share with you is that people will support a world that they helped to create. So uh, this is talking about having uh, kind of your, your plant leader and uh, your key people on the team involved in um, recruiting people, setting a vision, uh, coming up with a strategy and the plan moving forward. So actually get people involved in creating uh, the plant uh, that you are that you're doing. And uh, this is an area that we've dropped the ball uh, recently. So uh, the plant that I mentioned uh, in Manchester City Centre, well, um, in the last couple of months, um, we just kind of done a couple of things with that. So we changed the night that it meets on. Um, also started talking publicly about um, like a time scale for when we want to launch on Sundays. Um, but by doing these things, actually we started talking publicly about things that we uh, hadn't uh, talked privately with everyone in the group about. And there were a couple of people in the group who, um, key people, and they felt like instead of being part of a process uh, of deciding what happens, uh, they 
they felt like they were just being told this is how it will be and quite understandably felt um, depowered and, and devalued by that. So um, we, we've apologised to those people, we've drawn them uh, back in to the process of, of working out what happens next and uh, in the scheme of things, no harm done. But it illustrates the lesson that people want to be part of creating something and actually as we gather uh, a group of people there's a lot of people who want to be involved who want to be in the conversation and um, working out what it will be and as hotshot church plants who are full of vision we can sometimes have this idea that uh, we will cast the perfect vision of how it will be and then everyone will flock to the words that we say but that's not how it is for many people. Actually, for most people, uh, the excitement about being part of a church plant is the sense of adventure and actually uh, being able to play a role in building and shaping something. People don't just want to follow you on a journey. They want to um, bring something to it. They want to use their God-given gifts in creating something. And actually, as there's a, uh, a shared process, a shared uh, undertaking of... Um, creating a, a church that reflects what everyone is bringing into it, then people will be much more bought in, heart and soul, to that church. People will support a world that they helped to create. So there we have it, four one-liners that can change everything. Not everything that you label as bad really is. You're capable of more than you think. High impact low regret and people will support a world that they helped to create so as we sign off i want to leave two challenges for you first challenge of those four one-liners choose one of them and just mull over how it can apply to you and your own situation so not everything that you label as bad really is you're capable of more than you think high impact low regret and people will support a world that they helped to create. Choose one of those one-liners and think about how it can apply to you. A second challenge for you is why not try to set down a few one-liners that change everything for you? What are some of the key principles in how you do things? And can you get them in that pithy one-line way of expressing them? And uh, if you come up with some, why not tweet them to us at broadcast cp? If you'd actually like to find more about what um, the Surratts are doing and uh, their approach to multi-site church, you can get um, Jeff Surratt's book on it, uh, The Multi-Site Church Revolution. Um, you've got a link to that on the notes page for this episode. And you can find all of those notes at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 69.